Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. There's a particular kind of feeling in your body when something goes right after a long time of things going wrong. It feels warm and sweet and loose. I feel all that as I hold the phone and listen to Manalo talk about W-4s and the study hall schedule and my mailbox combination and faculty parking. For a moment, all the bees have turned to honey. Lily King, Writers and Lovers I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and today I'm recapping the books I read in February. February is one of my favorite months. I think that is contrary to popular opinion. It is my birth month. It's Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day. This year, it's leap day, so I love February. Now, the weather has made it a little difficult to love, um, but I think because of that, I was able to tackle quite a few books uh, this month, even though it's a short, shorter month than the rest. Um, so let's just dive right in. The first book I finished in February is My Eyes Are Up Here by Laura Zimmerman. This is a young adult novel that I picked up because the title alone just sounded really intriguing to me. It's got this great cover. The book itself does not release until June, so bear with me. But uh, My Eyes Are Up Here is about maybe exactly what you think it's about. Basically, there's this young woman, this protagonist, who... She is a size, gosh, I think it's like double H bra size, and she is only 15 years old and really trying to come to terms with her new and kind of changing body. And that sounds, you know, just the phrase new and changing body might send, you know, shivers up your spine, reminding you of your own puberty. Um, But I think what Laura Zimmerman does so well is write about her characters with love and tenderness and respect. And so I was immediately drawn into this really funny, heartwarming story about a girl who's trying to figure out who she is, and what role her body plays in who she is. So there's a slight love story element to this, you know, kind of typical young adult novel where there's um, a love interest. But to me, the best part of this book is that the main character decides to join the volleyball team. And it's this real act of maybe even an act of resistance of overcoming um, her ideas of what her body should and should not do. Um, There's this great scene where the um, home ec teacher uh, designs this new kind of undergarment and bra so that this player can play to the best of her ability without worrying about her body getting in the way and instead showing what her body can do. I just found this book to be so body positive without feeling cheesy. 
If you liked Dumplin', I think this is right in line with that book. And again, because yes, there's a love story that's really sweet and I did thoroughly enjoy that element of the story, but there's also this really great sports you know, sports atmosphere to this book. I love books that introduce me or help me dive deeper into a topic maybe I wasn't too familiar with. So um, I'm reminded of A Very Large Expanse of Sea, another YA novel that kind of introduced me to the world of breakdancing. And this book, My Eyes Are Up Here, really um, put me in the shoes of volleyball players. And I loved this kind of teammate atmosphere. That's something I experienced in middle school, but not so much in high school. And so it was really fun to see what a team can do. And what a team, how a team can influence someone to become who they're supposed to be. I just thoroughly enjoyed that part of the book. Really, I think, great for high school students, for young adults, um, maybe even middle school, maybe older middle school students, and thoroughly enjoyable for this 34-year-old adult. So My Eyes Are Up Here by Laura Zimmerman releases in June. The next book I finished in February was Writers and Lovers by Lily King. If you have been in the store or if you've done maybe some literary lunch break or Patreon stuff with me, you might have already heard me talk about this book. I was familiar with Lily King, but I had not read her previous work. I did not read Euphoria. Um, she may have written a couple of others, actually, but I she was new to me. I had not read those works before. So I picked up Writers and Lovers, honestly, with the the intention of trying to find a shelf subscription. I won't spoil what I ultimately chose, but I picked this one up in hopes that it might fit the bill. And I was not disappointed. This is, I think, my favorite book I've read all year. There are a couple of others that I have really enjoyed, um, including when I talked about last month, um, the new Emma Straub book. But I just fell in love with Writers and Lovers. It's like if normal people met Fire Sermon and had a book baby. This book is all about writing and the writing life and the sacrifices you have to make if that's the life you've chosen. Um, At the heart of the book is Casey Peabody. She is a um, recent graduate trying to write a novel and yet also trying to make a living. And her mother has recently died and that kind of threw her life into, into chaos. She was going to enroll Um, did enroll in this kind of writer's intensive. But while she was there, she was really unable to write anything because she was so kind of overwhelmed by grief. And so we find Casey in 1997 recovering from the loss of her mother and also trying to get her novel back on track while serving as a waitress. So there are lots of things to love uh, about this book. I think the writing is outstanding. I think getting a glimpse into a writer's life, but weirdly also into what it takes to make a writer's life. So she finds work, like I said, as a waitress, you weirdly get a great glimpse into restaurant life that I found super fun and interesting. I have always found that to be fun and interesting. Um, And then kind of where that normal people fire sermon vibe comes in is Casey does have these two love interests that you never feel like it's a, I never felt like the book was about a love triangle. I really think the book is about Casey and trying again, like the young adult novel I just finished talking about. Um, really Casey trying to figure out who she is. And then these two men come into play in helping her discover that. Um, one of them is this writerly professor and he's the father of two young kids. And, 
And then another one is kind of a writer like herself and also going through some intense feelings um, and periods of grief and loss. And, and so she's got these two love interests, but the book rests solidly with her. And I think Casey could have easily been a character that maybe, I don't know, might have made me roll my eyes or, you know, my tough, like, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and figure it out um, side of my personality. But instead, I felt such a love toward her and I desperately wanted what was best for her. Um, The loss of her mother really has deeply affected her in a way that I think is realistic and true. And again, the writing of this book is so great. You get a lot of insight, not only into the writer's life, but also then into the role books play. And so if you are a reader, which if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are. Um, if you're a reader, I think a lot of this book is going to touch a lot of um, a lot of your chords. Like, I think it's really going to strike a chord with you. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Five-star book for me. Favorite book of the year thus far. Um, almost no contest. Writers and Lovers by Lily King. Next up is another young adult book called Layover Land by Gabby Noon. I had the opportunity to hear this author talk at Winter Institute. So there was a period at Winter Institute that was called Indies Introduce, and it was just several authors reading, I mean, like a paragraph or two of their work. So kind of almost speed dating. And so they read just a paragraph or two of their work. And she was one of the only, there were a couple authors that caught my attention, but she was the only one who made me absolutely laugh out loud reading an excerpt from this book layover land layover land is out now um i don't read a ton of ya but i did this month trying to recover from other books i love so often i'll get asked the question you know how do you get out of a reading rut or how do you recover from books you love so i had just finished um we're all adults here by emma straub when i decided to pick up my eyes are up here um, so that kind of got me, helped me recover uh, from Emma Straub's book. And then I finished Writers and Lovers and desperately needed something um, to kind of make sure I didn't get, I don't know, make sure I didn't drown in the aftermath of Writers and Lovers. So I picked up Layover Land. It is very funny and I think really original. So the premise is simple. Basically, the main character finds herself, I mean, in the opening chapter, we see her um, die in a car accident. It is brutal, but the book is at its heart comedic. And so we quickly find her in this in-between, in purgatory. And purgatory is set up like an airport, which I think is very clever and realistic. I mean, maybe not for purgatory, but realistic for what human beings, uh, the feelings we get when we're in the middle of an airport. So she's in this airport in between heaven and hell, essentially. And she figures out that in order to move on, in order to kind of um, earn her place in heaven, she has to help, I think it's like 5,000 souls make peace with their lives. And so I really like Gabby Noon's ability to kind of craft this world, this really kind of quirky um, almost good place esque, if you're familiar with that TV show, um, picture of the afterlife. And so there's this kind of whole, all, all this world building that kind of takes place. And sometimes in like a fantasy book or something, I can get lost in the world building. But here I found it to be really interesting and funny and, um, very much in line with the story she was trying to tell. 
So she finds out, this main character finds out she has to um, kind of help 5,000 souls move on so that she can ultimately move on. And one of the people she has to help is another teenager, um, a guy that she almost has kind of um, pegged for a friend in this kind of really awful situation she's found herself in until she realizes that he is the young man who caused her car accident. And so she kind of gets stuck um, trying to battle out does she help him move forward um, or does she hold a grudge because he ended her life? So there's also some really um, in-depth things happening in this book. Like um, it's very funny at its heart, but make no mistake, there are some intense um, themes that this book is really grappling with. So uh, the book is called Layover Land by Gabby Noon. Again, I found it to be really original and thoughtful and interesting. Um, and I think you will too. It's kind of a departure, I think, from a lot of YA uh, that's out there. So it's out now. Um, the cover is fantastic. And um, I've had other friends read this one and really like it. So Layover Land by Gabby Noon. Then I read March by Geraldine Brooks. Look, we are going to do a whole episode about March. Hunter and I read this book for Backlist Book Club for March. We thought it would be fun as we both kind of recover from our Little Women hangover uh, to read this book, which is essentially Geraldine Brooks' attempt to bring to life the character of Mr. March, who, as we all know, in Little Women um, plays a huge role in the atmosphere of that home i think his spirit is in is in the spirit of um of the home and we see we sense him in scenes with marmy and with the girls but we spend very little time with him as a character and so geraldine brooks has crafted this novel it came out in 2005 and i had no intention of ever reading it um i had heard about it but was not at all interested hunter mentioned it as a potential option for backlist book club and again because i'm kind of in um hangover mode from Little Women, still dressing like Joe March uh, faithfully. Uh, I thought it would be a fun book to read, and I'm so glad we did. You'll get to hear a whole episode about it next week, um, but just know this was a four-star book for me, and it was historical fiction, I think, at its best. I think historical fiction is, for me, a tough genre. I know that is not the case for most readers. Most readers love it, um, but for me, it's very hit or miss, but I absolutely loved this book. And it's very much a war novel, a Civil War um, era story. But I also got glimpses of the Transcendentalist movement, which we'll, you'll hear more about next week, my obsession with um, the Transcendentalist movement. We got a lot of Bronson Alcott because Geraldine Brooks clearly did her research. Her whole author's note, I think, is really well done. Um, this book was delightful and a real surprise for me. I did not have really any intention of loving it like I did. Um, so I would encourage you to pick it up if you haven't already. If you've already read it, I hope you'll tune in next week. And even if you haven't, um, Backlist Book Club discussions do have spoilers. We try to preface them. The book came out in 2005 so um, and is also a story we're all so familiar with thanks to Little Women. Um, but if you are wary of things like that, I would wait until you read the book. But if you have read the book or if you um, are just curious about it, I think we had the best time talking about this one. I I just loved it. So the book is called March by Geraldine Brooks. Another fun fact about this is I waited too late um, to order it from the bookshelf. The bookshelf does an amazing job of special ordering books, but we are not Amazon. And I waited uh, too late to order this from the store. And so I had to check this out from the library. 
because I own the bookshelf, I do not do a ton of library utilization in my current life stage. When I lived in Tallahassee, I loved my local library, but the bookstore really has changed my reading life in so many ways. And one of the ways it has changed my reading life is that I'm reading mostly front list, uh, mostly, as you have figured out, books that aren't even out yet. And I often either borrow books from the store or read them in ARC format or buy them um, from the bookshelf. So it has been a long time. I think it has been seven years since I checked out a book from the library and I had the best time, partly because it gave me a deadline. I had to finish this book quickly. And then I got to use a little book drop-off box. I just, it just filled my nerdy heart with so much joy. So shout out to the library <laughs> uh, for providing me with this great backlist title, March by Geraldine Brooks. Next up uh, was a book I also really loved called The Office by Andy Green. Um, there's a subtitle in there because this is basically an oral history of the television sitcom The Office. Um, if you know me in real life, you know that The Office is like, gosh, top five favorite TV shows of all time for me. Um, Jordan and I half of our marriage, I think, is just quotes from The Office. We quote it a lot. We have seen every episode, at least seasons two through four, gosh, seven or eight times. I mean, it is like a comfort, warm blanket kind of show for us. We watch it religiously. And I was thrilled because I also love a good oral history. So a few years ago, I read um, the SNL book um, that was an oral history of SNL. I'm not even a huge Saturday Night Live watcher. Obviously, I grew up um, watching Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, Seth Meyers. Um, but Again, I'm not a huge like SNL aficionado or obsessive fan or something like that, but I love that book. And that book is massive. I mean, SNL covers a lot of territory. It's covered a lot of years, spanned many decades. And this book kind of covered all of that, but I loved it. And when I say oral history, what I mean is it's basically just a bunch of interviews. There's not a lot of prose at all. It's just interviews, which means it's super fast reading. I bet it would be super fun in audio book format. Um, we're talking about the same format as um, Daisy Jones and the Six, only this is real. <laughs> so um I picked up this book. It's an ARC called The Office. It comes out at the end of March. I adored it. I can't wait for Jordan to read it or to listen to it so that we can talk about behind the scenes things. Um, if you're not a fan of The Office, then this will probably not be for you. But I think this is so fun. I do occasionally listen to The Office Ladies, which is a podcast that um, Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey host together. They starred as um, Pam and Angela on The Office. That podcast is cute, and there are some really lovely episodes. This, to me, though, the book really gave me exactly what I wanted. Um, about behind the scenes of the show, I mean, stuff I did not know at all. Like, the planning that goes in, not just into an episode, because I could have guessed that based on um, the acting and the um, the scripts, right? Like the writing of an episode of TV has always been interesting to me. But I don't think I fully knew about set work or set design. And I there's a whole chapter kind of devoted to 
to how they made the office look and feel like an office. And then also the sets they built um, when they had to do like Pam and Jim's engagement scene, proposal scene, and um, scenes that were shot in the warehouse. I just thought it was absolutely fascinating and kind of a byproduct that I did not intend on finding. I obviously thought this would be fun as a fan of the show. But I have found myself over the years really finding tips for management and for running a business and owning a business and being a boss in books outside of management books. So I will still try to read the occasional business book or excerpts from um, books about management styles and being a better boss. But some of the books where I found the most truth about being a good manager um, have been in kind of these random titles. So uh, one of my favorites was I'll Have What She's Having, which is a book about Nora Ephron. And I underlined so much in there about her management style and about how she managed a staff and managed a set and what she kind of had to overcome when she, I think for the first time, had to fire a child <laughs> from, from his role on um, Sleepless in Seattle. So anyway, I loved that. In The Office, this uh, oral history by Andy Green, I learned a lot about Greg Daniels, the showrunner, and I also learned a lot about Steve Carell and kind of the tone he set um, on the set of The Office and what it looks like to be the kind of person who is thought fondly of. Um, And obviously, none of us is going to be liked by every person. Decisions are hard and managing um, businesses is hard. But I loved, there was a snippet about Greg Daniels, how he... Um, would run the show. And before he starts on any show, on any set, he has his assistant take a picture of every person, like with a Polaroid camera, every person on staff. Like um, we're talking lighting and set design and makeup and hair. And then also the actors and um, he writes their name. Like he has like this notebook so that he makes it Um, an intention of his to learn every person's name. And there was an interview with somebody who I think did the wallpaper or something on the set. And she talked about how much it meant to her that Greg Daniels knew her name. And I loved that. And I I told Jordan that it was so fun to read this, first of all, as a history of the show that I really grew up liking. And it really was a formative part of my early adulthood. I worked in an office. And so the office felt very, very real uh, to me. And then also just as somebody who is trying to create something, right? Whether it's at the bookshelf or um, in my home, there's just this idea of um, what different management styles and different um, leadership styles look like. So I actually found that to be really interesting. And I was not anticipating that at all from this book. But very fun oral history. I laughed out loud. I thought so much of it was fascinating. If you are at all a fan of the show, I think you'll really like this book. It's called The Office by Andy Green, and it comes out at the end of March. Next, I picked up the newly released book, The Holdout by Graham Moore. Some of you may be familiar with this one because it was a book of the month club pick. I read it because I saw it covered in like Publishers Weekly or something. And I, of course, thought a jury book, like I've got to read this jury book. Um, So it's called The Holdout. And it is about a jury. Um, They serve um, this on this super controversial case. Um, They don't even as a jury because they have been sequestered. They don't even know kind of the intensity and the scrutiny that this case has been under. and. The original 
kind of vote on the jury was like 14 to 1 or something um, with one holdout um, finding this man not guilty. And we come to find out that um, ultimately the jury all moved to her side and um, this man is found not guilty of, of kidnap and of murder. And the book really kind of flashes forward and backward quite a bit um, because the heart of this book takes place 10 years later, 10 years after this kind of controversial case, um, this kind of nationally recognized um, courtroom drama. Um, it takes place 10 years later. The juror who had been the holdout, Maya, is now a pretty, really successful uh, defense attorney. But a podcast is kind of re-examining the case from 10 years ago. And so the jury is coming back together, kind of having this reunion, um, being interviewed by this podcast. And so I thought it was going to be this really clever, um, not only courtroom drama, but also this kind of social commentary on true crime podcasts. And um, I just thought it would be really interesting. The book took a couple of turns I was not expecting, probably because I went in blind. Like I knew nothing about this book other than it was a it was a book about a jury <laughs> or, or a legal trial. So I don't think there are any spoilers here. But in the first couple of chapters, one of the jurors in this 10 years later, one of the jurors is found dead in Maya, the defense attorney's hotel room. And so m the whole novel is really spent with Maya trying to clear her name to not be the prime suspect in this um, new murder case. So the book goes back and forth um, between 10 years ago and today. And then it also alternates among the jurors' voices. So Maya is the main protagonist through the present day. But when it bounces back to the past and to the that particular case being tried, um, we get a glimpse at each juror. Overall, I thought the um, the pacing and the plotting of the book was good. Uh, I did not mind the back and forth. Like, I had no trouble keeping up with it. I just think this book turned out to maybe not be exactly what I expected. I think I really was hoping for, like, a like a John Grisham from the 90s kind of book. Do you know what I mean? Like a Pelican Brief situation. Uh, I also thought of, gosh, I read this book a few years ago and loved it, called Defending Jacob. I really was thinking it would be something like that, or even um, a book that Olivia and I read together last year called um, The Body in Question. I really was thinking it might be something like that, or even like Miracle Creek, which came out last year. I think The Holdout does some of that, but I guess when I say the plotting and pacing, I, I did not mind the back and forth, did not mind the narration, was never confused as a reader. But I will say the pacing, I actually did kind of have an issue with. It just... Um, did not maybe move at the lightning bolt pace that I thought it would. I started so hopeful. Like I thought, okay, good. This is going to be really fun and intense and interesting. Um, but the podcast portion kind of falls to the wayside pretty quickly. And overall, I liked this book. I just didn't love it. And I really wanted to love it. I still think um, if you got this one from Book of the Month Club, I think you're still in good hands. Like, I don't think by any means this is a bad book. Obviously not. I finished it. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, I liked it. But I think it's three and a half stars for me. Um, I finished it and thought, well, I could have read something else. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like when you finish a book and you're like, I mean, that was fine. But I have, I'm literally looking at probably 20 other books I could 
should have read instead. So I don't know. I'll be curious to hear about whether or not people enjoyed this one. For me, the characters were interesting. The premise was great. Did not mind the storytelling. Thought the storytelling was pretty good. The pacing of this novel felt felt a little bit off to me. So that's The Holdout by Graham Moore. If you've read it, I'd be super curious what you thought. Um, And I'm sure, as we have talked about many times on From the Front Porch and in the bookshelf, um, not every book is for every person, but that doesn't mean it's not for somebody. So I think somebody might really love this book. And if you're looking for something similar, I really did love The Body in Question and Defending Jacob. Next up is Here For It by R. Eric Thomas. I am recording this just a couple of days before this comes out. And we, as I just said at the beginning of the podcast, we actually have until February 29th. We've got a leap day. Um, So I have two books that I am wrapping up, um, quickly finishing before the month ends. And one of them is Here For It by R. Eric Thomas. I picked this one up solely based on Mary Laura Philpott's recommendation. I was not familiar with um, R. Eric Thomas before picking this one up. You might be, though. He is pretty prolific on Twitter. Um, He has a loyal following there. He has gone viral, I think, with several of his tweets and with his articles on L.com. I think his column is called like Eric Reads the News or something like that. So I was very intrigued, but I totally picked this one up because Mary Laura Philpott blurbed it and talked about it. Um, she gave it such high praise um, on her Instagram. And so I picked this one up, thought it looked really fun, and I am loving it. I'm about halfway, three quarters of the way through. It's an essay collection, um, but because I wasn't familiar with um, his work, it doesn't feel to me like a celebrity memoir. Like it doesn't feel like Tina Fey or Mindy Kaling. Instead, um, I don't know. It just feels really thoughtful um, and interesting because I was not at all familiar with his work. Kind of in the same vein of a book I read late last year um, by Gary Janetti. I cannot for the life of me, remember the title of that book. Um, it has a yellow cover, <laughs> um, but it reminds me a little bit of that, but I think this is better. Um, he is a really funny writer. Um, R. Eric Thomas is a really funny writer, and his essays range because some of them are about current culture, and obviously that's, I think, kind of how he has gone viral before is kind of with these really funny statements about the current news cycle or pop culture. But also, some of the essays are just really touching. He has a beautiful essay about a young woman um, named Electra who he befriended in high school. And I found that essay to be so, um, so raw and soft and interesting. And um, he also writes a lot. I find him to be fascinating. He writes a lot about being the other. Um, so, Arik Thomas is black, gay, and Christian. And so he writes about what it's like to be a part of all of those, like have, have all of that uh, wrapped up in who you are and in your identity. And he's, at least the essays that I've read thus far are really him grappling with those things. Um, the essays I've read have covered, have mostly actually covered almost in chronological order his life. And so I I'm just having a ball. I'm laughing out loud like I did with the the office book. Um, But I'm also really struck by the softness in in what he has to say. And um, I don't know. (laughs) Does it make sense to say that it sounds, you can almost tell when a writer has been to therapy and has worked on themselves. I hope that makes sense. Like he just seems like he has um, done such work 
to grapple with these different parts of himself. And I I love that. Um, he's just a few years older than I am. And so I think I'm always in awe of a writer who really knows who they are. Um, just like I'm in awe of people who know who they are, I want to be that kind of person. And so I'm reading this book thinking, oh, I hope I know myself that well. Or I hope I hope I have, um, I get to one day feel that way about myself. So really liking it. So grateful for the recommendation by Mary Laura Philpot. I think I have also seen this since then um, on Jamie Golden's Instagram, on Erin Moon's Instagram. Um, so this is called Here For It by R. Eric Thomas. I'm not going to lie to you. I also picked this one up because the cover is so celebratory and I celebrated my birthday at the beginning of this month. And so February is always, even when the weather is gloomy, kind of a celebration month for me. And so Here For It kind of felt like a celebratory book. So it's by R. Eric Thomas and it is out now. The last book I'm finishing up this month is um, Handle with Care by Lori Ferguson Wilbert. This is a book um, very much in the um, Christian worldview vein. So if that is not your worldview, then I don't know that this book will be for you, just like um, The Office is very much for Office fans. So if you um, are not um, a Christian or a practicing Christian, then I don't think this one will be for you. But if you are, I adore this book. Um, and mostly I'm just so grateful for it. I'm grateful for the ways in which it is making me think and stretch and grow. So the book is about Jesus's ministry of touch. And um, I have followed Lori on the internet for a long time. I read her blog for years. I still read it. Um, when it pops up on my Instagram feed, I follow her on Instagram and I really value her as a voice of calm and a voice of reason, um, in a world that seems increasingly polarized. I think no matter your worldview, you might enjoy following her on the internet because she is just such a calming presence. The book itself, the reason I say that if you're not a Christian, I'm not sure it will apply to you is because it is so rooted in Christian theology. Um, and it is really talking about the world we live in um, and the world we inhabit and how we have really ruined uh, touch and how um, we don't really know what it looks like to healthily embrace a person. And that includes a Christian culture and secular culture. And so I have found it to be really interesting, extremely well-intentioned and well-thought-of and well-planned and well-organized and well-written. That is not always the case with Christian literature. I, I feel like um, I have read a lot of Christian literature over the years, and very rarely <laughs> is it done is it done well in terms of the writing style. But Lori Wilbert writes beautifully and thoughtfully. And so I am reading this alongside a friend of mine, and we're sharing thoughts back and forth because it is certainly a book that will have you thinking and grappling with some things, whether or not you agree with her. I have found myself nodding in places and then other places underlining and asking questions, which is my favorite way to read a book. Um, and so I just appreciate this kind of nuanced look at the figure of Jesus and um, how he touched people's lives figuratively and literally, and what that means for me as a person who is a practicing Christian. Um, the role that the Me Too movement plays, the role that purity culture plays in our ideas about 
touch and tenderness. Um, I especially find it interesting because probably you have heard of, just like you've heard of the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs, you've heard about the five love languages. And lowest on my totem pole is physical touch. <laughs> um, and so I have never been somebody who's been super gregarious with my hugs or uh, you know, I even think about um, my friends who have sisters and who they just to me are so much more um, touchy feely than I am as a person. And so this has been a really interesting book for me to read in particular. So it's called Handle with Care. I have really appreciated it thus far, and perhaps you will too. It's by Lori Ferguson Wilbert. The cover art is gorgeous. Um, this book is out now. I am handing it to a lot of people I know and love, um, particularly if I know them well and I know I know this is the right book for them. Um, it is, in my opinion, um, so outstanding and so well thought of and well intentioned, um, particularly if you are a person of the Christian faith. So there we have it. Those are the, gosh, I think eight books I read in February. Um, such a good reading month. I hope you had a great reading month too. And um, believe it or not, we are um, eking up into spring and I'm so excited. Reading outside is my favorite. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in South Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelfteville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website. That's www.bookshelfthomasville.com. Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Production for sound and editing and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. This week, as I mentioned earlier in today's episode, I am finishing up Here For It by R. Eric Thomas, and I am loving it. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, you can tell us by leaving a review on iTunes, or if you're so inclined, you can support us on Patreon, where you can hear our staff's weekly New Release Tuesday conversations, read full book reviews in our monthly Shelf Life newsletter, it goes out tomorrow, follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic, and receive free shipping on all your online orders just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We are so grateful for you and we look forward to meeting back here next week.